Hey guys, this is Matt McCoy from Leaf Community. I want to tell you about an event that I'm really excited about called Worship Innovators. I don't know about you, but I love the Instagram account Worship Fails. It's just so hilarious to watch the different things that happen in a worship set. And just, you know, to be honest, just to be able to laugh at ourselves and the mistakes that can happen, you know, unexpected things. And if you're like me, you know that when you're using technology in worship, there's so many things that could go wrong. Well, it's important that we know as worship leaders that we plan for what to do when things go wrong. So at the Worship Innovators Conference, we're going to be teaching you how to use technology in worship to enhance your worship service. You're going to join companies like Praise Charts, Church Front, Planning Center, Onsong, Worship Artistry. Learn from all these companies how to implement technology at your church and be prepared for when things go wrong. What's also really cool is that at this conference, the Instagram account Worship Fails is going to be there and they're going to give a talk on what to do when things go wrong in your worship service. So I want to see you guys there. It's taking place June 8 and 9, 2020. I'll be there. I want to hang out with you. Make sure you sign up today at worshipinnovators.com. Everybody has to be living the same lifestyle of worship. Worship is who you are. On Sunday morning, when people come, for their praise to make sense to God and be acceptable to God, it has to line up with their life, or else he doesn't listen. Hey community, welcome back to the Loop Community Podcast. For our interview today, we are interviewing Gabe Finocchio. Him and his brother Nathan founded Theos U which is a website that's essentially like Netflix, but for biblical theology. It's a great place to go if you just want to learn more about theology through video courses. They have a variety of topics and they're adding more every month. And today Matt is going to interview Gabe and they'll talk a little bit about TheosU, but also just all different topics about worship theology. So get your notepads out for this one because you're going to want to take notes. So let's listen to the interview with Gabe Finocchio. So today we're going to be talking about worship and theology behind worship. And so you and your brother, Nathan, started something called Theos U. And so if you're watching this uh, Instagram and you have not heard of this, check it out on Instagram, Theos U. Yeah. The website's theosu.ca. And it is subscription theology. So you can sign up for a monthly subscription and dive into courses and classes that talk about just theology. And basically taking like Bible class you know, at home, watching it on your TV or on your phone. And I've been watching them on the train when I'm uh, heading into the office. And you guys recently launched one on worship, and which yeah. the community was pumped to be a part of and sponsor. So I want to talk with you, Gabe, just about, like, give us an overview of that class. Yeah, so this class is dealing with the nuts and bolts of worship from a biblical perspective, from a, a theological perspective. It's really unpacking for people the reasons why we do what we do, and and looking at worship not from a superficial perspective of just like, this is what we do on Sunday morning. Yeah, we had a worship service, or like, yeah, I love worshiping, and by worshiping they mean singing Hillsong songs, you know, in their car. You know what I'm saying? Like, totally, bro. So, 
yeah, that's that's fine. You can use worship that way as, you know, we should understand that there's a deeper meaning to that word historically, biblically, and theologically. And in that regard, we don't want to just stay on the surface of that word. We want to go deeper into what that word actually yeah. means. What does it mean to worship God? And so as we understand uh, what it means to worship God from a theological perspective, we're going to have a deeper understanding. We're going to have a deeper relationship with the Lord. So that's what the course offers. Yeah, so tell me, what do you think worship leaders are maybe missing about what worship is? Where do you think there is a disconnect? I think the probably the biggest disconnect is just what I mentioned. I think if I have permission to speak frankly, which I'm sure I do from you, we're friends, but... I think there's a danger in being a worship leader of thinking that worship is simply what you do on Sunday mornings and not what you do from Monday to Saturday. And in that regard, I think people can begin to think, even again, worship leaders, that your lifestyle doesn't need to, to reflect your, your words. And that's just simply not true. I think the greatest revelation of worship, uh, apart from intimacy with God, is, is, is actually a lifestyle of, of worship, a lifestyle of obedience. And what I like to say is this, obedience is speechless worship. So many times, you know, we love singing to God, we love worshiping God, we love honoring God with our lips. And in that regard, giving lip service to God, but God isn't actually interested ultimately in our lip service. What God wants is a holistic approach, and he's actually uninterested in us ministering before him in the Holy of Holies, in the secret place, if actually the way we live in the public place isn't righteous. What I took was the temple of the Old Testament as uh, the scripture indicates in Exodus 20, roughly 25, 26 to, to 30, talking about the tabernacle of Moses, the tabernacle of David, and the temple of Solomon, and using those as types of the lifestyle of worship and what God expects from people as a house of worship. And uh, that's, that is universally, that's locally, that's individually, but it's, it's what God expects. And in that regard, God expects a lifestyle, a holistic and a completely integrous uh, lifestyle of worship. And interestingly, again, tying back to what I was just saying, the ministry before God in the Holy of Holies where the high priest would go in and sprinkle the blood of the covenant, the blood, I should say, of the altar, the brazen altar on the Ark of the Covenant, well, that blood being sprinkled, if the offering of the altar, of the brazen altar, wasn't pure and wasn't righteous, if that wasn't taken care of in the outer court, which was the public place, and he went into the private place with God, that sacrifice would be rejected, and in the Old Testament, God would actually kill the high priest for offering an offering in the secret place that wasn't consistent and integrous with the public place. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so what I mean is God wants our obedience. He wants our obedience and our obedience leads us into the secret place. We don't have access to the secret place as we think we do if our lifestyle is not a lifestyle of obedience. Yeah. 
Well, first of all, I think it's really interesting. I've never heard the tabernacle uh, be used as like explaining the lifestyle of worship. I've heard it being explained of like, you know, setting up a worship set, like where like the temple steps or like the first song, like, hey, the call to worship. And like the inner Holy of Holies is like the, you know, the final song in a set where it's just like them and God, just very intimate. I've never heard it talked about from a, talking about a lifestyle, which I think that's really interesting. It's so easy for worship leaders to get up on stage and just go through the motions in a way, to be honest. Like yes. just lead, yes. do the set list, play with the track, you yes. know, sing it exactly like the album or whatever. And, yes. and maybe not even like coming into their pastoral responsibility in a way. Right. You know, of like really leading and pastoring in worship. Yes. And is that kind of what you're hitting at a little bit? Not even yeah, just the, the pastoral pri- part, but one- the inner taking care of yourself. Yeah, one of the primary, I mean, I hit on a number of different things uh, uh, talking about a number of different themes and symbols within the tabernacle. But this is a massive point. We can begin to play religious games with God, and God does not like that. And How do you know? Getting, well, okay, Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah chapter 1, right out of the gate, he says, he says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or goats. So here's, this is the thing, is that God actually prescribed this as the form of worship into his tabernacle. So God's saying, I don't want what I've told you to do. It's like a paradoxical statement. He's saying, he's saying, no, 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 you're not getting this. Isaiah chapter one, he says, when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts, bring no more futile sacrifices, worthless sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. God prescribed incense to be given on the altar of incense. And here he's calling the incense and the goats and the sacrifices on both altars, the altar of incense and the altar and the brazen altar, the altar inside the temple and the altar outside of the temple. He's saying both of those those things are abominations to him. He says the new moons, the Sabbaths and the calling of the assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meaning. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them when you spread out your hands. Listen to this. When you lift up your hands in worship, even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. The reason why is, he says, your hands are full of blood. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. And then, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. This is an incredible, incredible passage that talks about temple worship and how this isn't about religious games. This isn't about coming on a Sunday morning and singing praise songs to God and then going out and living like the devil the rest of the week. What I teach people is worship is is not something that you do merely. Worship is something that you are. 
Worship is not something you merely do. It's something that you always are. God wants you to be worshiped. And, and he wants, so what he's, what he's saying to the people in Isaiah chapter 1 is that he's, he, he doesn't want just people to go through religious games, singing songs and honoring him with their lips, but he wants their hearts to be in it as well. That when they're lifting their hands, their hands are a, a symbol of their hearts, and they're saying, God, my whole life is yours. I'm coming. Sunday is just the crest of the wave. My life is a lifestyle of worship. I'm living in obedience. Again, as I said before, obedience to God is speechless worship. So many times we're focused on, on, on thinking that worship is something that we have to constantly say. If you obey God with your body, if you do good, you seek justice, you live a virtuous life, you're worshiping God. You're worshiping God all day if you live in righteousness. That is worship to God, and it's the kind of worship that he wants. That's the foundation of worship. And then when you come on Sunday and you lift up your praise to the Lord, he loves that. And he's all about that. He's not, he's, he's not into this superficial game and religious game that we can turn worship into. And that's, again, we, we have to dig into the theology here uh, to understand what worship really is. Anyways. Yeah. And I think, too, that sometimes worship can be defined differently, or at least we kind of do this sometimes, whether we're the one leading worship or whether you're like standing in the congregation. Like worship, you know, for a worship leader who's maybe on stage leading, sometimes can become something different than what it is for like if you're just someone standing in the congregation and being led. Does this apply the exact same way to, you know, if you're not leading worship, let's just say you're attending church service on a Sunday morning? Yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. In, in Isaiah chapter 1, God isn't discriminating between people. He's, he's saying everybody, priests included, but congregants as well, everybody has to be living the same lifestyle of worship. Worship is who you are. And, and that's the consistency on, on Sunday morning when people come for their praise to make sense to God and, for, and be acceptable to God. It has, to be, it has to line up with their life or else he doesn't listen. I think we genuinely think that, like, I think we've moved into this place where, like, things are so taken for granted. And we're just like, yeah, God's with me no matter what, you know. And we just, like, we live in this kind of presumptive theology of the presence of God. And to be honest with you, God is a person. He gets offended. He, he, he actually, to be honest with you, God actually, his presence can actually, we can lose the presence of God. We can lose it in our lives by living a lifestyle that's not a lifestyle of obedience. So, so it's like the, the idea of just assuming that we're all good, we don't have to do anything, Jesus paid it all, Jesus did it all, Jesus does it all, and we just live and bask in this giant lazy river of Christianity. <laughs> where, where, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Ryan, Ryan Plants says, no, we can't. <laughs> Ryan Pastor Plants. Ryan, I love you. How is Ryan everywhere? I feel like he's just like <laughs> everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent somehow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To explain what I mean here is that we can separate ourselves from God. The book of James tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to us. 
And in that regard, when we go through times where we're like, I can't feel God, why can't I feel God? You know, where is God in my life? Why can't I feel him? Why can't I sense his presence? Why can't, you know, it's not because he's moved, it's because we've moved. So, so to look at it in a healthy way, like we say the sun comes up every morning. Well, the sun doesn't come up every morning. The earth revolves around the sun and the earth moves in such a way that for, for the earth, the sun comes up. Well, it's a similar analogy. God never moves. God is the sun. He stands still in the earth and in his sovereignty and presence, but we move away from God. And, and, and so worship is drawing near to God so that he can draw near to us. You know, interestingly, in Romans chapter 8, he says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But he doesn't, he, and he lists all these things, but he doesn't list us. We can walk away from God. We can walk away from his love. We can reject his love. And that's actually the doctrine of hell. The doctrine of hell is the fact that we walk away from God. We reject God. And in that regard, you know, he rejects us eventually if we continue to harden our hearts. I think we live this life thinking that we can do anything we want and he'll never walk away. Or I should say that we can do anything we want and not estrange ourselves from him. That we can walk away and not really walk away. And it's just not, it's not true. Jesus, you know, all over the gospels allowed people to walk away from him. The rich young ruler, for example, he didn't, you know, the rich, he challenges the rich young ruler, come and follow me, leave everything and follow me. And the rich young ruler says, no, I don't want to do that and walks away and Jesus lets him walk away. <laughs> Jesus doesn't chase him down. Uh, so, so the rich young ruler rejected God and God allowed the rich young ruler to reject him. So that should mess with, with your theology a bit. This is the importance of worship. Jesus is our high priest, but we are under priests. He is the highest priest as the high priest, but there was one high priest, but there were many priests underneath the high priest who would continue to function underneath the high priest. That's what we do. We are priests underneath the high priest, and we are to follow the high priest and follow Jesus through the temple as he works in the temple. And uh, thank you, Daniel Corbett. Apostasy is real. Falling away from the Lord is real. If you read the book of Hebrews, this is a real deal. And the interesting thing is that the book of Hebrews deals with temple worship. The whole book of Hebrews talks about temple worship and, and following Christ as our high priest through the temple. But it also talks about in the book of Hebrews all over the place warning us. I think there's like nine or ten warnings in the book of Hebrews that says, don't fall away. Don't drift away. Don't lose your salvation. So take this seriously because God will not be mocked. And, and, and we have to live a life of worship. We're not guaranteed his presence with us if we are inconsistent. Again, Isaiah chapter one, God is sick and tired of religious games. Christianity isn't about religious games. It's, and worship isn't about religious games. You've probably heard it before where like someone says like, oh, that worship leader is anointed. And they use the word anointed. Yeah. Like that, oh man, like yeah. it just, there's an anointing on like that worship leader. Can you unpack that for me just a little bit of like, is that maybe kind of what you're hinting at here of like where like God's like presence is with them? Like there is a, 
you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think two things. I think the presence of God can function by substance and then also by accident. So substance is the the fact that yes, the, the worship leader is is focusing on God, living a lifestyle of worship, maintaining his obedience to the Lord. Obedience is speechless worship, so he's living a lifestyle of obedience, uh, obeying the commandment to love God with all his heart and soul and mind and strength, obeying the commandment as best as he can as the grace of God enables him to love his neighbor as himself. And so he's living in obedience, and then he's living a lifestyle in the secret place of prayer and intimacy with the Lord. So that cultivates the anointing. I believe that cultivates the ministry of the Holy Spirit as a vessel through him. But there are also moments where there's like a Samson moment. Do you remember Samson? <laughs> Samson does does not, he's called to be a leader. The Holy Spirit comes on him in certain moments and he functions in his anointing. And then he goes back to living a lifestyle of unrepentance and disobedience. And then at the end of his life, he calls the Holy Spirit. He says, one more time, just grace me. And I, so I think that that's accidental. I think the Holy Spirit is on him by accident, if that makes sense. There, there are worship leaders who can function. There are preachers. There are people who can function in ministry because they have a gifting. And their gift uh, allows them to have this anointing because the anointing is on them, regardless of their character. But I just believe that that anointing is accidental, if that makes any sense. It's the substance of our anointing ought to be our lives being used as vessels of honor for the Lord. That is the well that never runs dry. And that, that's the emphasis. That's the substance that God is looking for. God can use anything. God can, God can talk through a donkey, <laughs> right? So God can use some worship leader who's like living you know, like the devil or some, some preacher who's living like the devil because God anoints him. There's an anointing on what he's saying in that moment, in that service. That's, that shouldn't be the focus of our lives to like, to like live as like, you know, live for those moments of accidental anointing. We should be constantly focused on intentional anointing, substantive anointing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, right. So if worship isn't what we do, it's more of like who we are. Yeah. And how we're living our Primar- lives. Primarily. 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 Yeah. Then what would you call then that like 30 minute thing that happens in church where we sing five songs and then have announcements? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, so that's, that is in the theology of worship as I walk through the course, that falls under the altar of incense. Okay. So there are two altars in the, in the temple. The first altar is the altar, the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice. The second altar is the altar of incense. And and that altar of incense is where I talk about prayer and praise being the the two uh, forms of incense that come up before the presence of God. Interestingly, that's how the tabernacle of David was set up. The tabernacle of David, which is a whole study in and of itself, that later merged alongside of the the tabernacle of Moses in the temple of Solomon was essentially David's revelation about the altar of incense being prayer and praise. And David worshipped before the, the Lord in his tabernacle, in his little tent set up 
without a veil. And that's that intimacy that David had and with the Lord that was developed in his time as a, as a shepherd, uh, in his, in his private life. And that's where we get the Psalms from, those wonderful Psalms coming out as worship. I, I should say as a form of worship through prayer and praise to God. And so that's massive. That's, that's the intimacy that God ultimately wants. That's what the whole focus of the, the temple is towards, towards that those acts of relationship with God, direct acts of direct relationship with God. So God wants our prayer and our praise. He wants that. He wants us to, to exalt him and to, to worship him with our lips and glorify him, as Hebrews says, a sacrifice of praise, but not at the expense of all the other things that are going on in the temple, if that makes any sense. Yeah, right. All right. So if you were to kind of zero this in on like worship leaders living in 2019, what's like the main thing you'd want to say to, you know, worship leaders who are on staff at a church, they have a title like worship leader on their job description. Yeah. (laughs) It's like what they're working for all week long, you know, to build this worship set. You know, worship leaders spend time in their office, you know, preparing songs and charts and planning center and you know, how can a worship leader be spending their time during the week to prepare for that weekend so that it's not yeah. just playing through songs like a, like a record? Yeah, it's, it's simple. It's really simple. They can just be obedient to God. <laughs> you know, live a lifestyle of obedience. And as you live a lifestyle of obedience, also, that's the tabernacle of Moses, lifestyle of obedience. And then the tabernacle of David live a lifestyle of the secret place of, of intimacy. Does that make sense? And relationship. So, so both forms is what God wants. God wants our obedience, but he also wants our love and he wants our obedience to come from love for him. I don't think it's that difficult to understand as I just kind of basically communicated it. The difficult part is living it and living a lifestyle and a discipline of worship. Because again, it's a whole picture and there are degrees of it. There are differences within it, but God wants this whole picture. Yes, as this person just commented, a lifestyle of obedience and intimacy. But again, like the ultimate culminating point is in the secret place, right? God God wants us to live in the secret place, but I just believe that entering into the secret place is not something that is done simply by assuming that we just have access to, to God if we're not actually living a lifestyle of worship. I think the secret place is a holy place, and we have to be living holy lives to actually enter into the secret place. That's why many times it's difficult for us to get into the secret place. It's difficult for us to pray because we don't want to pray, because we don't really love God. We're not living a lifestyle of love towards the Lord. And, and the secret place itself can become a religious game where we just we go through the motions of something and we think that you know like you know uh, getting up and reading a devotional is all that god wants and that's the secret place so i spent my time with god today no your time with god is 24 <laughs> 7. your time your time with god isn't five minutes in the morning it's a lifestyle where you are living a lifestyle of in your car with god right on the roller coaster with God at the theme park, right? Working your job with the Holy Spirit. So that your whole place, your whole lifestyle is a lifestyle of worship.
And that is what God's after. And yes, there are intimate moments. In the secret place is that intimate moment. Prayer is an intimate moment and, 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 and an intimate thing. But again, God's after our life. He's not just after our lips. <laughs> wow. Bro, you're on fire now. Preach. <laughs> that, that's so good because, I mean, I do think it can be so easy just to go through the motions of like, this is my job. Like, worship is my job. And that's a weird yeah. feeling when like something like worship is your job. Like you're getting paid to yeah. worship and to like also like it feels like sometimes you, you're getting paid to perform. Like, yeah. did you sing well? Did you did you build a good set? Are you playing songs that our church likes? Did you get people in the church to worship? It's almost like your yeah. worship leader ends up being responsible for everybody else's worship. Right. And yeah. And so you can get caught into this weird like kind of going through the motions and like but not actually really loving it and not really loving god (laughs) yes and not loving worship yes i agree i mean i want to have mercy on people who who are kind of like well i don't i didn't know anything until you talked about it you know there, there are people who are genuinely ignorant through no fault of their own but perhaps there's a church culture that they live they they live in a church culture that is maybe corporate uh, in its understanding, I, and by corporate, I mean like a very, you know, kind of like this this environment that doesn't, it's not very conducive to relationship and a love for God, but rather it's more focused on a love for systems and a love for, you know, uh, looking at things very rigidly and coldly without um, an understanding of of intimacy with the Lord, you know it's it's, it's interesting that I think um, it was Youngi Cho who has one of the largest churches, or uh, I think it's still one of the largest churches in Seoul, Korea. In the offices for his pastors, there would always be this little closet, and the closet people, you know, kind of touring the building would say, "What's this closet for?" And the Youngi Cho would say, "Well, that's where they work. That's that's where they work. That's where the work is done." And they're like, what are you talking about? You, you, work in a, you work in a closet? And it's like, yeah, that's our prayer. <laughs> our prayer life, we tell our pastors to pray. So many pastors are focused on going to uh, you know, hospital visits and <laughs> going to Starbucks with people. There's nothing wrong with hospital visits and Starbucks. But how much time are they being paid to pray? You know what I'm saying? So like every pastor should have like a one-hour paid time of prayer where you are being encouraged to 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 not be some sort of worker bee in some hive and i think worship leaders should be the same way people should uh pay their worship leaders to spend time with the lord and write songs and like just worship David. on their own yeah in their, in their office yeah, and, yeah. And, and and yeah and and so we have to be careful that we don't begin to borrow things uh strategies that work in a business model, like a Starbucks business model, and then begin to graft them into the church, which is a totally different organism. In that regard, should have a totally different organization. A worship closet is being suggested. I completely agree with that. And yeah, Ryan Plant, Pastor Ryan talks about the prayer closet there. I completely, I just think that the way we think about things, you know what I'm saying, like has to change. In, in terms of the metrics and how we create systems, 
we have to be careful that we're not just looking at how Starbucks runs their organization or how Apple runs their organization or how Amazon runs their organization and then say, oh, we should run our church that way. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, uh, we, we should look at, at the church as a separate entity and an organism and uh, business principles are okay, but the church isn't a business. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it gets complicated. Yeah, it gets complicated when you start growing and you have staff and you want to make sure that people are actually working and doing their thing. So they put systems in place to ensure that, you know, are you at, are you at your desk at 8 a.m.? And are they taking care of their heart? Like, are they? Well, what I'm saying, yeah, what I'm saying is for, for a pastor to work, again, Youngie Cho was saying, this is what pastors do for work. They, they pray, right? The, the apostles, the apostles, I think it was in Acts chapter 6, where the apostles, may have been Acts chapter 5, but the, the apostles created deacons to do business stuff. And they said, we can't do this because that's not our, our function. And our function is to pray and read the word and get a word from God and hear from the Holy Spirit and live in a totally different realm. We're coming down from the mountain on Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? We're, we are living in the presence of God, you know, 24 hours a day. That's our job. Our job is to pray, to, to work on our personal intimacy and relationship with the Lord. That's what we get paid to do. And to study the word. That's what we get paid to do. Our job isn't going on hospital visits. Our job isn't running a soup kitchen. Our job isn't doing all these things. Let the deacons do it. <laughs> so what should, what should I'm stirring work? the pot, Matt. I'm stirring the pot. You are stirring the pot. <laughs> I mean, let's just say you're at you're on staff at a church as your job's a worship yeah. leader. And yeah. maybe you are in a culture where there doesn't feel like that kind of freedom and there's not a worship closet. You yeah. Know, you got to be at your desk at 9 a.m. and you got to be at this meeting at 11 a.m. And yeah. I mean, what does a worship leader do? Like, what are some practical things that... Is I it just something you do outside of work, the hours then? Yeah, I think the most practical thing would be to just quit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just play a track. <laughs> no, I think, um, I think the most practical thing would just be to, to be gracious, uh, to understand that, you know, their, their church uh, is, is on a journey, but to, to maintain their personal relationship with the Lord and to to fight for that, right? To really fight for that, uh, to fight for intimacy with the Lord, to fight to to live a lifestyle of worship on their own. You know, that's what leadership is. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead other people. Period. Leadership begins with you as a person, and uh, that means that you know. I love what G.K. Chesterton says. He says, "Any dead thing can go along, go down the stream, but it takes a living thing to go up upstream, to go against the current." And that's what a leader does. A leader lives his life regardless of what other people are doing, you know. And uh, and and you you make a decision. You have to become convicted by the Holy Spirit on this. Nobody can persuade you into this, but you have to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. This is where I'm going to live my life. These are my values, and this is my theology of worship, and this is where I'm. I'm. I'm not. I will not be moved from this position, and I'm going to fight for this position. And I'm not going to be rude to people. I'm not going to be mean to people. I'm not going to be angry. But I'm just going to. I'm going to silently be obedient to the Lord. Remember, like 
uh, obedience is speechless worship, right? So I'm just going to live a lifestyle of obedience. And, and if nobody else on staff is following my lead, that's okay. That's totally cool. But I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to live in, uh, the conviction of the Lord Yeah. for that. So, yeah. And someone just brought up too, that this also applies, you know, even if you don't, if you're not on staff at a church and you're a volunteer worship leader and you've got, you know, you're working at a bank or something, same thing applies. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So Gabe, I think that worship leaders should check out your course on Theos U to yeah. learn more. So how do they how do they get involved in that? Yeah, so basically with Theos U, it's a subscription-based theology. So it's like think of it as the Netflix of theology <laughs> where, you know, you don't have to pay an insane amount of money uh, to to get theological teaching. There's no homework, which guys like me love. And there's also uh, you know, 24-hour access, 365 days a year, $11 a month, price of a of, of Netflix or whatever. And it's theosu.ca. And you can just kind of go on the website and, and access it. You just launched a worship course like a week ago. And so it's well, yeah. more about the lifestyle. Yeah. It's more about your lifestyle than it is about talking about like um, why we have drums <laughs> and why we yeah, sing songs. This isn't, yeah, I'm not here to like talk to you about how to get the best tones out of your your sound system and how to <laughs> how to rap chords. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm here to teach you what the Bible says about the nature of worship, the theology of worship. But we also have courses on the theology of, of other things too. So we have a course on the book of Revelation. We have a course that takes people through every book in the Bible. We're releasing new one new course at the beginning of every month. Uh, our next course is on the book of Hebrews. My brother teaches that. Again, you, you, you can watch any of these courses that you want, um, as many as you want. And uh, we're actually, we have an app coming out in uh, a few weeks as well. So that's, we're really pumped about that. But yeah, so Theosu. Uh, you can follow us on our Instagram, Theos University. Yeah, that's the handle. It's good, man. So, yeah. Well, it's always good hanging out, good talking. It was fun golfing with you a couple weeks ago. Dude, I love you, Matt. That's good. Matt, you and I go way back, buddy. Way back. We used to way just back. roam the streets of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we would ride around the city on the sco- on my scooter, like on dumb your scooter, and dumber, man. You'd be on the back of the scooter. <laughs> I do. I, I I remember being completely terrified because you're a horrible driver. So, <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous. Like <laughs> potholes in Chicago are no joke. Well, bro, thanks for joining me. Thanks for your heart for uh, just God's word and teaching it. And uh, I've learned it. I've learned a ton from you. I always enjoy our talks. So, dude, likewise. Thank you for hosting this, Matt. Thank you for supporting what we're doing with worship. I know, you know, like you are a, I mean, you, you run a company that's, that's based on helping people to enter into the presence of God through a Sunday morning experience. But I know that your heart is Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. You love the Lord. You, you love ministry. You love the church. And I know that there's so much depth inside of you which is why you're supporting this and why Loop Community is getting behind this. I love it. And I, I'm so appreciative and thankful for people like you in the industry. You People like you are keeping the music industry honest and integrous and yeah. <laughs> faithful, well, faithful to the Lord. 
I don't want to just provide worship leaders with products for worship. Like, I really want to provide them with pastoral things that are actually like really helping their heart. And I don't yeah. want I don't want worship leaders to burn out. I mean, when I when we hear about worship leaders and pastors quitting ministry altogether, which I feel like seems to be a common thing right now, like does it really like break our hearts? You know, like this is like way more than just a business of selling tracks and products for worship leaders like we're actually really wanting to resource and like pour into worship leaders of like who they are and like their life and their relationship with god so that's something that we're really focused on even more so this year so i'm glad to have you we're gonna pull you in more for sure all right brother i'll see you around awesome Thanks for joining us on the Leap Community Podcast. Music from this episode is brought to you by John Guerra from his album, Little Songs. Make sure you check it out on Apple Music or Spotify. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, leave a review and a rating. It means a lot. We'll see you soon.